Welcome to The Movement with your host, Shannon D. Hughes. In your life, do you celebrate the downfalls along with the peaks? You should. These define you as the person you are and help you learn your way to personal success. Now, here is the host of The Movement, Shannon D. Hughes. Wednesday, April 24th, 2019. There are 252 days left in the year. If you have not made any movements by now, you will after today's show. I am your host, Shannon T. Hughes, and you are now part of the movement. We share the ups and downs, pitfalls, victories, and what is to come. We connect the human spirit with the stories of our guests. And today's story will be unlike any other. I will assure you that right now. Let me give you the particulars to the show. Our toll-free number is 1-866-472-5795. That is 1-866-472-5795. International, 001-480-398-1405. If you would like to contact the show without talking, we have an email address. That's Shannon at Shannon D. Hughes-TheMovement.com. That's Shannon at Shannon D. Hughes-TheMovement.com. And again, the movement can be heard every Wednesday live at 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, here on Voice America and the Influencers Channel. And you can also check out all our past replays, especially this one when it's over, on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify as well. What a guest I have today. Um, this young lady went from being a Texas beauty queen at the brink of fulfilling her dream of becoming a surgeon to facing a 40-year prison sentence. Cocaine and domestic abuse robbed her of 10 years of her life and led to a horrific rock bottom that she courageously describes in her newly released book, What Goes Up. She teaches her four-step of COPE, C-O-P-E, method which walks you through the steps to allow the release of toxic guilt and shame. Self-forgiveness and love is the key to true joy and inner peace. After hiding her dark, ugly secrets for years, she now shouts with passion and transparency how she overcame her worst to live her best. Her message inspires you to face your fears and release the skeletons from your closet so you can find love, be yourself, and pull yourself up. And I'm telling you, that's exactly what she's going to be doing, so I'm not going to delay this any further. Miss Delane, welcome to the movement. How are you? Hi, Shannon. Great. I'm awesome. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for coming on. When I was uh, reading your bio, even when I was putting this together a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I cannot wait to talk to this woman. So I want to delve right into it. But before we get into some of the stuff that's covered in the intro, Mr. what we do like to do here at the, at the moment, I like to talk about your humble beginnings. Can you tell the Movement Nation where you were born and raised and tell us about your early childhood, if you will? Sure. I was born in southeast Texas. I know my mom had had rheumatic fever, so she was only allowed to have two children, and she had my brother first, and six years later, here I came, her little sunshine. uh, She called me her little sunshine girl. I was her treasure. So I grew up rather spoiled and um, protected, had a pretty great life, a great childhood. I was in you know, active in sports and band music. I was a dancer in the beauty pageant system, as you mentioned. I had a pretty clear-cut goal in mind from pretty early on, about age 13, that I wanted to be a surgeon. There was a lot of nurses in my family, and I, I pr- knew that pretty on, pretty young that that was going to be my goal, and I started focusing on that pretty early on, always an overachiever. Um, if you imagine the, the Energizer Bunny with the jet pack on, that's pretty much how I was as a kid. <laughs> I think they call it, uh, yeah, they call it ADHD today, but back then, I, you know, I think I was just referred to as a little brat because I was just in everything. <laughs> 
How was your relationship yeah. with your brother? How was your relationship with your brother? Uh, he was six years older, so there was, you know, we didn't have a whole lot in common. I was the pesky little sister, but later mm-hmm. in life, we've become very close. Okay, yeah. that's good to know. That's good. And so talk about yeah. uh, talk about schooling, education. Talk about grade school and high school. What was that like coming up? I know you say you were energized a bunny. Was that, did that work to your yeah. advantage or was it a disadvantage? Talk about that a little bit. I think both sides. Um, you know, after after everything that has happened in my life and I've gone back and, and written a book and gone through that, that therapy of releasing everything from inside, I discovered a lot about myself that I never really realized from early on, that some of my issues went way back. Um, I remember we would vote on a room favorite for a classroom favorite to go in the annual, and I got that every year until fourth grade, and then another girl beat me out, and it devastated me. I mean, it was mm-hmm. such a crush, and so... I realize now that the perfectionism was setting in at a very early age. And I remember the first beauty pageant I won. It was called the Miss Tiny Top Review. I was about four or five years old. And I very specifically remember when they put that crown on my head, the power Mm -hmm. that I felt when everyone was clapping for me. And I learned that I could use that power. And that's Mm kind of what, you know, catapulted me and, and gave me the advantage of that overachieving but at the same time, the downside of that is when I didn't win or I didn't, I wasn't the best one at something, I took it very hard. I was very hard on myself. Were you, when you, let's say when you took some of those, you know, shots to the chin, as they say, did you yeah. internalize it or did you, out, were you, did you kind of, you know, release that anger onto others? How did you deal with that? No, I think I internalized it. I was pretty easy to get along with. I was never really a, like a an emotional kind of up and down roller coaster kind of kid. I was pretty even keel, but I did internalize everything. And again, in the writing of the book, which is what I say is what saved my life, the therapy, a lot of things came out about my childhood. I remember my senior year of high school, sitting in my chemistry class, pulling my eyelashes and I pulled every eyelash out of my eyelid. Now, was that rebellion from the beauty pageant system or was that just the stuff I had shoved inside, you know, of not feeling, maybe the feeling of inadequacy when I didn't measure up to what I thought I needed to be. It wasn't pressure from my parents. It wasn't that Mm -hmm. kind of pressure. This was all self stuff. I was doing this to myself. My brother was was very, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Your brother was what now? I'm sorry. Oh. My brother was very, he excelled at everything. He's genius level. He is mm-hmm. a, in the theater. He's, you know, an actor, very well known, just pretty much excelled at everything. So mm-hmm. he always appeared to just, it came natural to him. Mm-hmm. I was successful. I made the grades he made, but I felt I always had to work so much harder to get it. So I always felt okay. kind of in competition with him, even though he was mm-hmm. so much older. Um, and I think that's where a lot of my drive came from trying to follow in his footsteps. When you were dealing with that, Misty, um, did your, like you were talking about dealing with it and you were, and you were easy to get along with, did your mom ever say anything? Did you ever have any conversations where to say, Mom, I'm having an issue with it? Or did you just kind of just, you know, this is I'll just deal with it? Or, you know, how did that work? Did you just deal with it on your own? Did you ever go to your mom and say, hey, Mom, having a hard time dealing with this setback or this defeat or what have you? How did, how did was there, was there, was there a working dynamic yeah. between you and your mom and something like that? 
Well, my mother and I had a good relationship. We definitely had an open relationship. But like I said, I didn't even realize these were issues at the time. Right. So I didn't even acknowledge them to know to talk about them. I didn't realize I was even having these issues. So I guess it was all internalized. You know, it didn't come out until years later. Yeah. So, I mean, and I would have talked to my mom had I realized it. I definitely would have because we did have an open relationship. Um, and that's kind of another segue to this whole thing with my mom is that, you know, old, old school, and I love my mom, she's awesome, but, uh-huh. you know, some of these you know, older generation people, it's all about what your house looks like from the street looking through the window is. Right. The newer generation, you know, we're, we're more transparent about, okay, yeah, I don't have the perfect life that I want you to think I have, and it's okay. So growing up with, with someone with that kind of mindset, it was really tough because I always saw her as perfect because she never told me any of her wrongdoings. She never told me all of her, uh, I guess, dirt or trash on the street. You know, it was all kept secret. So in my eyes, you know, I had a, a big shoes to fill in stepping mm-hmm. into that role of, that my mother was because I thought she was perfect. Right. Misty Lane is my yeah. guest here on The Movement. Um I'm, I'm, I think we're about to get into it. So you were saying <laughs> some of the issues that you, because I can kind of hear it. So, so talk to me. Um, was there a specific incident or a string of incidents where, I want to say wheels coming off the track, but let's just say where Misty was kind of like, uh, you know, I'm kind of getting, you know, into some territory here where I'm kind of, you know, so I don't know. I don't know where point that may have been. I don't know. Was that college? Was that beyond college? Yeah. Can you take me through that period, Misty? Sure, I can. So, first of all, let me just preface that by saying I've never once blamed anyone else for mm-hmm. what's happened to me. Those were my choices to make, my choices alone. Now, right. my mental state might have been affected by some things that happened to me, but it was nobody's fault but mine. So I just want to make that clear because uh, I think accountability is very important. I so agree. when I married, I, I, I met a man, uh, my first husband in college, and we were college sweethearts, um, ended up getting pregnant. We had set a wedding date. I pushed it back because I just wasn't quite ready for it and uh-huh. then ended up getting pregnant before the, the second date had rolled around. So okay. I, it wasn't like I was trapped and felt like I had to marry him. I mean, I wanted to marry him. But what ended up happening with our marriage of 10 years is when when we started getting older and the fraternity parties were something of the past, he kept drinking. And as we started having our two daughters, he kept drinking. And he was still that, you know, constantly had a beer in his hand or uh, it progressed into Jack Daniels and Coke. And when someone that you're with, you know, you're growing in one direction, he's still stuck in another. It was really hard because he became emotionally abusive to me and um, verbally abusive a little bit, and a lot of, like, games were being played. You know, we were in our 20s. We were young. So, you know, some of that was just life. But I knew, I think, at that point that I didn't have the marriage I thought I was going to, and I was disappointed in it. I was disappointed. Um, When he, when I found out that he had committed adultery, I started finding out lots of things, like he had slept with someone the night before we got married. And, I mean... That hurt. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't blame anyone, but those are real things that happen to people every day. And people right. just don't, don't talk about it. And I feel like transparency is liberating. And 
since I've decided to share and not to put him down because I'll give him all kinds of accolades as well because he did step up to the plate later. But, um, but just so people know they're not alone. If this is happening to them too, you know, it's okay to have these feelings because other people are going through it. So that's why, I, I, like I said, I shout my truth now. <laughs> 866-472-5795. Yes, 866-472-5795. The dynamic Misty Lane is my guest here on the movement. So, um, so you now we let's step back just a tad. Um, I read in your opening that you were becoming a surgeon and things of that nature. Talk about that for a little bit, if you don't mind. So when we got married, like I said, we were we were called sweethearts. I was still young. And mm-hmm. I was on my pre-med track, so I started having my daughter. You know, I had two daughters along the way. So it took me a long time to get out of school, but I never gave up. I kept going. Um, finally got to the point where I had got, I applied for nuclear medicine school, which is a specialty, and got accepted, and I did that program, took the MCATs, and was going uh, applying to medical school. I just got accepted into medical school and found out that he had another woman pregnant. Now, up until this point, I didn't know he had cheated on me. Uh At this point is when I found out all the stuff he had been doing, but I never knew it was going on. So now that I know, I was devastated. Um, It put me in a place of, okay, this is my fault. Again, I internalized Uh it's my fault. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't smart enough, even though he's telling me he thinks I'm beautiful. He thinks I'm fun to be around, whatever. But he cheated, so therefore, those must have been lies. So it's my fault he cheated. So now I'm carrying this around with me, um, this baggage, this emotional baggage of uh, more inadequacy. Here we go with the inadequacy again. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we ended up in divorce. I had the two two daughters to raise by myself. I was my first year in medical school. I was kind of in a depression. My friends came and got me and said, okay, enough of this. Let's take you out. Let's get you out. You know, you've got to get a life. I ended up meeting someone that gave me attention. Didn't matter the caliber of person because at this point I was starved for that attention. I needed that validation that I was good enough. I needed somebody to think I was good enough. So the guy, the guy I got involved with, you know, probably wouldn't have been the kind of guy I would have gotten involved with before because I was pretty selective. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the way to a Dallas Cowboys football game one day, I, was, I had bought him tickets for his birthday. He stopped on the side of the road, pulled out a line of cocaine. I said, what are nope. you doing? We had been dating for a few months. Mm-hmm. I had no clue. And I said, I don't do drugs. I had been hit by a drunk driver when I was 15 and almost killed, so I was very anti-drug. I was a goody-goody. I was uh, a good kid in school. I mean, I didn't really delve into all that. I drank a few times. I might have smoked weed a couple of times, but it just wasn't my thing. So I said, I don't do drugs. And he said, well, you know, just try it. Well, the normal Misty would have never said yes to that. But the Uh inadequate, vulnerable, depressed Misty that felt like 10 years of doing everything right got me nowhere said, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to try it. And that's where I stop right there. And when when I speak to kids in particular, I tell them, you have to respect your moments of choice because they become your lifetime of decision. Had I given that choice even five seconds more to think it through to the end, my life mm-hmm. would be completely different. But I didn't. So right. that's where it turned for me right there. That one line of cocaine is where it started for me. It put me in a place where adultery didn't matter, 
perfectionism, inadequacy, none of being overweight, because by this time I've gained weight, none of that mattered anymore. And I loved it, not to gratify or glorify it because it's horrible. But for me, it was an escape. My mind could stop thinking about everything else. My mind could stop trying to analyze what happened in my marriage. And I could just be at peace for a minute. And so I, I ended up trying that, sat on that for about six weeks. And it very quickly progressed into crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. And I am the person that never smoked cigarettes, didn't even know how to inhale. So by the time I had learned that technique of how to even do it, I was a full-blown crack addict. I mean, that quick. It happened that fast. Was he, so I, I, I assume you were still with him when you were still doing the drugs. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, let me ask, when you were doing this, and we got a couple minutes before the break, Misty. When, we were, when you were okay. doing this, um, was there any part of you that was saying, I know this is wrong, I can't stop, or I'll stop when I'm ready, or, oh my God, my kids, I need to stop. What was, was it just do, do the drugs and just not care about anything or was there an internal battle with you that you were trying to break it but it was just hard to get away from take me through that as we go into the break okay at this point it was pretty early on in the addiction i was addicted but i still could control the addiction i was still functioning at my job i was still able to just do it at night after my kids went to bed it wasn't like the kind you know where it progressed later where i couldn't go five minutes but i couldn't take a shower without it 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 wasn't to that point yet So in my mind, I knew it was wrong. I knew it wasn't what I wanted in life. But at the same time, it was taking me somewhere where I needed to be for that relief. And I told myself, okay, well, you're not an addict. You've never drank. You've never been hooked on coffee. You've never smoked cigarettes. When you're ready, you can quit. So I I didn't give it another moment of choice. I didn't give enough time to. I didn't give it the attention it deserved because I thought I could control it. But, you know, with any disease, it progresses. Any disease will progress, and if you allow it to, it'll take you. It'll take you so far, so far down. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit facebook.com/forward/slash/voiceamerica or search for us at keyword Voice America. If your life needs some structure and direction, you may need a life coach. Interested? Contact Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com for a free 30-minute consultation. Trying to find a buyer for your home? Tired of paying fees and commissions? Need to get out of your home quickly with no fuss? Real market experts can help. Get a cash offer on your home today. Our nationwide network of investors will ensure you receive the best price for your home in Chicago and the Chicagoland area. Get started now. Call 1-800-SELL-NOW or 708-887-0795. You can also visit our website at realmarketexperts.com il. Is your credit card processor for your business charging you high processing rates? Do you need an upgrade of your current credit card processing terminal and would like it for free? Let North American Bank Card lower those processing rates and qualify you for a free brand new credit card processing terminal. Call Shannon for a free statement analysis, 708-887-0795 or email Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. 
You are listening to The Movement. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email or if you are looking to be a sponsor for The Movement, contact the show via email to Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. That's Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please purchase my book, Movement Mastery, How to Find Your Motivation and Create Lasting Momentum, available on Amazon. Bestseller uh, on Amazon Kindle Fire for 99 cents right now. The hard copy will be available in the next week or two. So I would love if you all could go and pick up my bestselling book, Movement Mastery, How to Find Your Motivation and Create Lasting Momentum. Speaking of lasting momentum, my guest is speaker and author uh, Misty Lane here on The Movement, 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Feel free to email the show, Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. If you have any questions for Misty, I have people texting me during the show. Misty, I shouldn't be looking at my phone. I'm like, you guys can call in and ask her questions. She doesn't bite. If she does, I should have had them sign a waiver, but if she doesn't bite. I'm sure she will answer your questions, but please feel free to call in, 866-472-5795. So, Misty, um, we briefly talked about, um, you know, your, your, your early childhood and um, your, your partner and how, how that, that relationship was kind of rough for you, two kids in college, and, um, and then you, you went to drugs. So I want you to talk to me. What came next in your in your in your journey? Hello, I guess oh, there you are. You, go ahead, go ahead. Can, can you, okay, I would say I'd like to, before I do that, I would just like to quickly mention I, I would love to give away a f- copy of my book, What Goes Up, for free to the first caller with a question. So if oh, we can encourage callers to call in, and my I book is it. What Goes Up. I love encouragement. So what goes up? The first caller that calls into the show. Uh, you don't even have to ask a question. You just want to say hello. If you want to ask a question, I'm sure she will. Yeah. She will answer. Um, what goes up yeah. uh, for uh, a free copy? If you call into the show, let me give that number one more time, Misty. 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. I cannot call into the show because I'm the host of the show, but I will buy that book yeah. anyway, Misty. But uh, we are going to encourage callers <laughs> to call you. in and get a free copy book and maybe chat a little bit with Misty. So while we await for yeah. somebody to call in... Uh, uh, I don't know if you heard my question. I want you to talk yes, about. Did. Okay, I'm sorry. Go go right ahead. Where 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 were you next on your journey after the cocaine abuse and everything? What happened next? Okay, so so with the cocaine, the next person that came into my life was actually my drug dealer. Again, where, anyone that gave me attention, I was all about it. So I hooked up with him. This this is the father of my son that I have now, um, who's 18 years old, almost 19. Um, that. That started a whole other chapter of domestic abuse. Never been around that in my entire life. Didn't know anything about it. Um, the only exposure I'd ever had was a college friend that her husband would, you know, give her a black eye every now and then. And I would talk to her and say, what's mm-hmm. wrong with you? That's not love. Leave him. How can you How can you be so stupid? And, you know, a chapter of my book is never say never. I was uneducated. I did not understand the manipulation and control that comes with domestic abuse. So it was right. very easy for me to tell her she was stupid for staying with someone because I'd never walked in those shoes. Now, having been through it, it's a living nightmare. They will find every insecurity that we have and monopolize on it, and they will just manipulate and control. 
So we went on, at this point, we were both on crack, so rampant. I was running away from home days at a time, still trying to come back to my kids and be a mom at the same time. And then that craving would be so intense, I'd go missing in action again. This went on and on and on. I was in and out of jail, off and on a probation. Um, we ended up in prison, I mean, in jail, both of us at the same time. My parents had bonded me out. He had holds on him. He was going to get extradited back to New Jersey, and we were separated physically. I was out. After I'd gotten bonded out of jail, I had gone back um, to my house where the cops had arrested me from and taken me to jail, and they had left all the dope in my house. They didn't take it with them when they took us to jail. So when I went back to my house and walked in the door, there's this, crack pipe and a lighter and, and crack all on the bathroom counter. So, mm. you know, being only away from it three days, it was just a natural instinct. My body just, like it was out of control, it just grabbed it and did it. Mm. And once you start, that's it, you know. So I went on this, this quest, and I, I was out there on this mission. I ended up in the wrong neighborhood at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. And I picked up these two girls to give them a ride because I knew they could score dope for me in a neighborhood that I was unfamiliar with in a city I didn't know. And they decided that I was an easy target because I obviously didn't look the part like I belonged, you know, to tell that I, I had a, another life other than this one. And they decided to rob me, try to steal my car. They punched me in the face, broke my glasses. I turned my car around because the only way I knew out was the back down the road I had come in. Sped off as fast as I could. They threw a brick at my car. I swerved, lost control of my vehicle. I ran into a parked vehicle in a, in a driveway did not see the woman that was standing in the yard on the other side of the parked vehicle. Could not have stopped my car, Shannon, had I seen her because I was sliding out of control. And the parked vehicle hit her and knocked her into the house and killed her. Oh, so I woke up, yeah, I woke up wow. in a hospital with my mom hovering over me crying. Mm. And I, I looked up, I said, Mama, I'm okay. Let's go home to Austin. That's my son's name. I said, let's go home to Austin. I'm okay. She said, honey, don't you know what's happened to you? And I, I reached up to grab my mom's neck to console her, and I felt that angry cold steel wrapped around my wrist, and I was handcuffed to that gurney. And I said, what has happened? She said, honey, you've killed someone, don't you know? Mm. And it was like that gurney was like quicksand, just sinking down, like all the air was being sucked out of my lungs. Even though I was still coming down off the cocaine, I'd been on it four days straight, I knew this was something big. I knew instantly, okay, this is, this, you're, this is, you're done now. This is it. You're not getting off probation on this one. Right. So I've never been suicidal, Shannon, but I can tell you I felt so guilty for every breath I took. I felt like I didn't deserve to live. And it took me some time. It was very, very hard mentally to know how to live to even know how to live without the cocaine in my system was enough, enough challenge on its own. You know, I was so dependent on it. It was like right. American Express. I never left home without that crack pipe. So right. now I'm having to deal with that. And now I'm having to deal with the fact that I feel guilty for being alive. And I was in a bad place. I, I think that was my rock bottom. I think I was completely, completely defeated at that point. And wow. um, I have to give... Props to my daughter, my oldest daughter, Lauren, because she sent me a letter and she said, Mom, she was 18, and I had just missed her high school graduation because I was mm -hmm. incarcerated. And she said, Mom, you have to forgive yourself. It was an accident. We love you, and we want you to come home. 
Just wow. write down all the stuff that haunts you at night when you go to sleep and just pray about it and give it away, Mom. Give it away to God. Wow. So here's my daughter parenting me. Mm-hmm. So I did exactly what she told me to do, and it took me three days. And I wrote a list front and back, and I did it. I prayed on it. I let it go. Mm-hmm. And I walked over to that mirror in the jail cell, and I looked at my reflection, which was a person I was scared of. I didn't even mm-hmm. know that person I was looking at. And I said, okay, Misty, are you going to let this kill you too? Are you going to pull yourself up and get home and be a mother to your kid? And that's when it all turned around. That's when I decided that day I had purpose and I wanted to live. And wow. by finding that purpose, that's what saved me. That's what saved me because I started writing. I started just writing everything. I didn't plan to sit down and write a book. I didn't make an outline. I didn't read up on how to write a book. I just got a pen and paper, Shannon, and I just started writing. And stuff just started flowing out of me. That's when I I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, things came up from my past I never even realized were an issue. But by writing it out, like therapeutically, physically writing those words on those papers over and over and over by hand for seven months, it was the therapy that saved my life. Mm. And a book took me 12 years to decide to come forward with it because I've been too afraid of the judgment that came Mm. with that. Right. But um, I tell you what, it's liberating. I encourage everyone to use writing as a tool. Oof. The the superwoman of this hour, Misty Lane, is my guest here on the movement, 866-472-5795. First person that calls gets her book, What Goes Up. I am encouraging someone to call, please. Um, I, I know the answer to this question. Um, but I want you to articulate it, even though you kind of briefly touched on it. You're talking about your oldest daughter and the letter and everything. What, as a parent, I'm not a parent, so you're, I'm, I'm going to ask you to speak as a parent. What was, how consumed were you, your 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 daughters, especially in your thoughts, especially where you were and all the things you were missing out on? I mean, that just had to be. Uh, probably, obviously, other than um, the unfortunate accident of the woman being killed, you're not being there for your daughters. That just had to be a gut-wrenching experience. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and there was more to it than just that. I mean, I had a son at this point, too, that was young. He was small. My parents had him. Um, Mm -hmm. But there was way more to it than that because now, um, not only am I missing out on my kid's life, um, now I felt guilty for feeling bad about it because I had just taken the life of someone that's never going to be back in her kid's life ever again. So now that I'm feeling sorry for myself that I'm facing a 40-year sentence and I might not ever have a relationship with my kids, I can't even allow myself to feel it because I felt so guilty because she's never going to see her kids again. They're never going to have their mom. So I'm dealing with all this stuff and it was just so intense, so intense. And I tell you, um, I believe in my heart, Shannon, that God chose me way back. I've always been told I'm a strong woman. I've always been told I'm, I'm very independent, very strong-willed. And I believe God chose me because I feel like coming through the other side of it, it has humbled me. I have compassion and empathy that I did not have before. And I, I know that I'm the person that he chose because he knows that I'm strong enough to come out the other end and go forward and preach it with transparency. Right. I don't care anymore. I don't care if someone judges me because they can move out of the way. I'm trying to save somebody's life here. There and you if go. If it takes somebody judging me, 
step back, judge me in the corner, and let me help the people that want to hear it. Because that's what it's about today. Preach preach to the choir. And if you are judging someone, I want to know what your qualifications are so I can shoot that down. Uh, So um, guess what, Misty? We were giving out the number 866-472-5795. And um, we got somebody that has called into the show. So this person is going to get your book. So I'm going to let her come on for a second, maybe chat for a second. Yesenia, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Yesenia. Welcome to the movement. Say Say hello to Misty. Hi, Misty. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Thank you for calling. I'm good. No, of course. I'm. We, me and my coworker have been listening to your story, and it's very emotional, and you're very strong. So, you know, I'm completely happy that you turned your life around and or whatnot. Thank you so much. Hello. Yesenia, yeah, we are gonna. You. I'm gonna have you leave your information with my producer because we're gonna send you a copy of her book, What Goes Up. And uh, I really appreciate okay. you calling in today. And please feel free to call back to the movement anytime, Yesenia. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Oh, can I ask her a question? Of course you can. Go. Absolutely. I was hoping you would. Go right ahead. <laughs> no, I just wanted to ask her. Like after everything happened, did you ever go back to med- medical school? Actually, no, I, I, I had already gotten my degree in nuclear medicine, and this is a beautiful part oh. of the story, is when my, when my prosecutor had found out that I had written my life story by, paper, by hand, he came and spoke with me in the jail, and he got to know me a little bit, and he, he chose to help me, and we were able to, he went back to the judge and reduced my sentence from negligent homicide, which carried 40 years, to, uh, I'm sorry, from vehicular homicide down to negligent homicide, which carried five years. It went from a violent crime to an accidental crime. And so that is what saved my medical license for nuclear medicine. But I did, I'm not a physician. I did not return to medical school to finish that route. But I do, I am a licensed nuclear medicine. I, I do practice that today. Oh my God, that's amazing. Good for you, Miss. Beautiful. Thank you. Is it? Isn't she wonderful, Yesenia? And and when you have people that transparent to tell a story, to me, nothing but good can come out of it. So, Yesenia, I'm upset with you right. because you're asking better you're asking better questions than I am. So, if you want to shoot another question, <laughs> uh, be free, my guess. But uh, I really appreciate you asking questions. I also appreciate Misty for uh, also answering the question. But please leave your information so we're going to mail you out the book, uh, What Goes Up with Our Producer, and we're going to make sure that you get there. And I hope you continue to listen to this show today, Yesenia. I really appreciate it. Yep, I'm here with Absolutely. you, so <laughs> we're listening to the show. And you can, and you can also email me, um, Misty Lane at MistyLane.com. I'm on social media as Misty Lane or my website, MistyLane.com. It's all Misty Lane. Pretty oh. easy. <laughs> okay. So and we're going to give all that information. Uh, that'll sorry. work and we're okay. going to give all that information out toward the end of the show as well Yesenia, Yesenia thank you for calling in we're up against the break but thank you for calling of course alright thank you Misty you are a powerhouse um, I really love you telling that story and we got about 90 seconds before the break um, so you said you had did a lot of writing before you did all your other stuff so just really quick um, after you did all your writing and everything if you can, and just maybe just under a minute, just tell us when you did all that writing, you got out, what what was the first thing you did? Just kind of tease us with it going into the break. With the writing, I didn't do anything. It's, I sat on it because I was too ashamed. I didn't okay. want anybody to hear anything that had happened to me. At that point, I was just trying to rebuild my relationships with my family, my children. I was trying to get back into the workforce. 
um, because I was no longer dependable, trustworthy, accountable, and my employers knew it. So now I'm trying to rebuild a name for myself, a name of dependability and accountability. So I was pretty much focused on that. Wow, that is amazing. All right, so we're going to go up against the break here because we got a lot to cover uh, in the last segment of the show. It's my least favorite segment of the show because it's the last part because the stuff is so good. Misty Lane is my guest yes. here on the movement speaker and author and of her book, What Goes Up. Um, Misty teaches her fourth step of cope, which she'll also explain when we come back from the break. We got a lot to cover in the last 15 or so minutes that are left in the show. Please, if anybody wants to, you know, email or uh, have a call, a quick question, 866-472-5795, or email the show, Shannon, at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. And as always, The Movement can be heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, here on Voice America and the Influencers Channel. This wonderful episode that you're hearing by this wonderful and powerful lady can be heard also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We are going to go right into the break. We'll come back and we'll finish up with author and speaker Misty Lane here on The Movement with your host, Shannon D. Hughes. We'll be right back right after this. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Trying to find a buyer for your home? Tired of paying fees and commissions? Need to get out of your home quickly with no fuss? Real market experts can help. Get a cash offer on your home today. Our nationwide network of investors will ensure you receive the best price for your home in Chicago and the Chicagoland area. Get started now. Call 1-800-SELL-NOW or 708-887-0795. You can also visit our website at realmarketexperts.com il. Is your credit card processor for your business charging you high processing rates? Do you need an upgrade of your current credit card processing terminal and would like it for free? Let North American Bank Card lower those processing rates and qualify you for a free brand new credit card processing terminal. Call Shannon for a free statement analysis, 708-887-0795 or email Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com. If your life needs some structure and direction, you may need a life coach. Interested? Contact Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com for a free 30-minute consultation. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to The Movement. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email, or if you are looking to be a sponsor for The Movement, contact the show via email to shannon at shannondhughes-themovement.com. That's shannon at shannondhughes-themovement.com. We'd love to hear from you. Everyone can be a hero, according to this extraordinary man. On the very next episode of this very special edition of The Movement with yours truly, I will be joined by the founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, Frank Shankwitz. Frank will talk about his time in the Air Force, his career in law enforcement, and, and how and why he started the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And also we'll talk about his new movie up that is about his life, which will be premiering June 7th, entitled Wish Man. 
you do not want to miss this very special episode next week on The Movement when my guest will be the founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, Frank Shakenwitz. And final segment of The Movement with this powerhouse of a woman, speaker, author, and life shifter, Misty Lane. Uh, newly released book, What Goes Up, who we just gave away to our, our caller, Yesenia. And Yesenia, we'll get that out to you. Thank you for calling in. And we got a lot to get through for the end of this show, so Misty Lane. So... Um, getting out of prison and everything, you had to rebuild your life and, and talk, talk to people what that was like trying to start over and rebuild um, and with your life. Coming out because what happens in addiction, when you go to therapy or rehab and you come home and you've, you've been through, you've gone through all the things you need to go through to get past it, but you're returning to a family that is still stuck in your addiction. They still know you as a liar, a manipulator. Um, they still know you as a person that they can't trust. So it's very hard on both sides. You have to, and, and also you have to be patient. And also what comes with that, Shannon, is that they're angry. The first step they go through when you're out on the street is, are you safe? Are you okay? So when I would land in jail, my family could get a night's sleep because now they knew I was safe so they could sleep good. The second emotion they go through after they know you're safe is, the anger comes in. So now that now that you've come home, they know you're safe. Now their anger starts coming out like crazy, and you, you got to let them have that because they've held it in all this time. So it's a very hard transition. I would encourage anyone going through it to get help with it, get a therapist, get a mediator, because sometimes when all that toxicity comes out of their mouth at you, that's enough to send us right back out there to get high again because we don't want to hear that about. It. We, we've already beat ourselves up enough, and to hear those horrible things we've done now that we're sober and clear-headed, it's really tough on us. It's really hard. So I would suggest therapy, mediators, so that those things can be said in a constructive way. Very important. And, and, and I'm glad you said that because, uh, you know, because it seems like people get a little squeamish with therapists and things of that nature. They're there to help you. And I can understand why people say, I don't want to. But you know what? Sometimes you need that 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 guidance and just to kind of center you back and just kind of keep you focused. So I, I would encourage people, don't be afraid of the T word, the therapist word or what have you, because right. they're there to help you. They have your best interests at hand. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's just going to put you in a better place. If you can get somebody that kind of help you sort through those, that, that, those, that trouble time, especially after what you've gone through and then integrating back into your life and society, that had to be a transition for you as well, Misty. Yes, it was. It took a long time. It was very humbling because I had to tuck my tail and realize that I had to start over. Um, you know, I have a pretty good career. I have a good salary in what I do, but it took time for people to want to hire me again. Not just to mention that, Shannon, now I've got a record with felonies on it, several felonies. So now to even get into the workplace is a challenge for me to find an employer that would even take a chance on me. Or illegally, their parameters we even allow them to. So I had to wait out my seven-year period for those charges to no longer be accountable for as far as the hospital policies. So, uh -huh. it, you know, I had to take other jobs. I worked at Taco Cabana. I did other things. And, I mean, it was very humbling for me. Very, very, very. But it was necessary. It was the That's necessary right. steps that I needed to take. Were you when during that period when you were taking the the other jobs um, that you, you know things that you probably weren't supposed to be doing, especially when the track that you were on, 
were you upset, angry? Were you embarrassed? Were you like, you know what, this is uh, this is what I have to do? Was it a little bit of all of it? Can you can you tell me talk talk me about that a little bit? It was frustrating because I would go to apply for a job, like, for instance, a roller skating rink management job. It didn't pay hardly anything, but it was better than working at McDonald's. It was a little pay, you know, better than that. I knew I needed to work. So I wouldn't get the job because they saw that I had all these three college degrees. I have three bachelor of science degrees. And they're like, well, you're overqualified. So I wouldn't get any jobs because I was overqualified. But I couldn't get the job that I was qualified for because I had feelings on my record. So it was a very frustrating time for me. I mean, at one point I ended up cleaning houses and just getting paid for that because that's all I could do. But I did it. And I just woke up every day and kept doing it. And then the doors opened up. That's that's awesome. Um, I know you were, we were chatting a little bit. You had some other things that you wanted to bring to the table. You brought so much to the table. I don't know how much more you could bring. So I want you to <laughs> tell the audience, I want you to tell the audience a couple other things that you were, that was going on in your journey, a couple little twists that uh, people might want to be aware of. Go right ahead, please. Okay. Yeah. I, I say to my story, if you've ever heard me speak, I have two beautiful twists that are definitely God orchestrated in my life. Number one is when I was in jail, before I got sent to prison, I was in the jail in the town that the accident happened. I had a lot of death threats. I had a lot of people from that family that were threatening to come into the jail to get to me. They didn't Mm. know me. The word on the street was that this was a drug deal, that it went bad, and I killed her. That was the word on the street. She had nothing to do with that drug deal. She was just standing in her yard. So the middle of the night, my jail cell opened up, and a lady came in crying. And I woke up, I gave her a t-shirt to wear, I got some of my commissary food, and I sat up with her for about two or three hours just listening to her. She was drunk, but she was going on and on. She was talking about her lover had been killed, and she was really sad and missed her. But at the same time, she had cancer, she had been suicidal, and she was glad she was no longer in pain. So I listened to her. We talked about it. You know, the next morning, the bars open up. We'll go into general population where all the other inmates see us together, and everyone's pointing fingers. And we look at each other like, are we supposed to fight? Who the heck are you? And everybody starts saying, she's the lady that killed your wife. And wow. she looked at me. She said, you killed my wife? And I looked at her. I said, she had cancer? Because, like I said, at this point, I felt guilty for every breath I took. So my Christian upbringing, my Christian belief is when you commit suicide, you don't go to heaven. Your soul doesn't go to heaven. So I found the positive in it, and I said, Misty, you just saved her soul. And in turn, she just saved your life. And that is what gave me that one tiny something to stand on every day and build on and get up and take that next breath and say, okay, okay, there's something positive here. I can build on it. As long as I have one thing to build on, I I can do this. And I just started pulling myself up one little thing at a time. So that's, that's the first twist. And I believe that was necessary for me to not feel the guilt for being alive anymore. The right. second twist, which is the most amazing part of this story. I got married to my first husband, my daughter's dad, on September 18th, 1987. The accident happened on September 18th, 2007. After I get out of, out of prison, rebuilding my life, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Lauren, I have two daughters, Lauren Amber and a son, Austin. My oldest daughter, Lauren, calls and said, Mom, I'm pregnant with your first grandbaby. I'm due on September 18th. So I'm thinking God is beautiful. He is replacing a life with a life that I felt I had stolen prematurely. Mm. So my daughter goes into labor. She actually has Eliana, my beautiful three-and-a-half-year-old grandbaby, on the 18th. 
She had some issues with the delivery. She was, um, her oxygen supply was cut out, cut off. Mm. She actually died in the, she actually died and came back. My wow. grandbaby is blind. She's deaf. She does not suck or cry. She's never heard her mother's voice or her daddy singing to her at night. Um, she's never looked into the eyes of her parents. They've never heard anything back from her other than little noises she makes. She has a feeding uh-huh. tube. She has got HIE grade three, which is the most severe brain damage you can have. Uh-huh. And I'm telling you right now, I let the devil convince me, Shannon, that that was my fault, that that was my punishment for uh-huh. everything I had done. And I decided that that's not the God that I know. God wouldn't do that to me. And so I quit letting my past rob me of my future. And that's when I went all out and said, that book is coming out. We are going to do this. And I'd be dang if I'm going to let my past keep me hostage anymore. I did not cause this. But I can tell you one thing. Everything, Shannon, that I put my kids through, I'm talking a 10-year sentence we went through, cocaine addiction, 10 years. Everything Uh I drug my kids through has left them the most strong, independent, resilient kids on this planet. And they are armored to face anything that comes their way. And when Elion was born, my daughter is a superhero. She is the best, most kind, patient mother in the world. And and my son-in-law, too. So I believe in my heart of hearts, like I said, that I was predestined for this journey from way back. And, and it could have been getting my daughter prepared way back for Eliana. We don't know the reason. We don't know the cause. But all I'm telling you is you cannot let your past define your future. You cannot let it control you like that. Mm. From tragedy to triumph. That's what I'm talking about. Misty Lane is a victor, not a victim. And I love it. Misty, we got about four minutes left in this hour. I want you to tell everybody what you do. Talk about the book, where they can reach you. And then I want you to leave everybody with a, look, you speak from wherever you want to. I'm just going to sit back and just let the master take (laughs) over. So please, the floor is yours. Okay. Well, the book can be found on Amazon or it can also be found on my website, um, Misty, M-I-S-T-I-E, Lane, L-A-Y-N-E dot com or any of the bookstore websites as well. Um, I'm on so all social media as Misty Lane, on Twitter as Pull Yourself Up. Um, my message of motivation would be in closing, Shannon, that um, I do talk a lot about you have to pull yourself up because all of us have been in a situation before. If you stop and just think about it for a minute, you've, you've been up against a challenge, whether you needed money for your light bill or whether you, know, you had to come up with uh, money to pay your kids' sports team, whatever it was, and there was nobody around you. And you found the strength inside of you to get it done. Somehow, whether you had to sell something, you had to go get the courage to ask somebody to borrow the money, whatever it was, you found that strength deep inside of you to get it done. You have to pull yourself up and get it done. And it's, it's all perspective. You have, we've heard for years, is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? What I say is, okay, why limit it to two choices? We've got four choices. We can dump the water out of the glass and make it empty, or we can go to the sink and fill that cup up and make it full. What are you mm. going to do with it? Mm. I love it. Mister. I'm going to ask you to do one last thing, and we uh, didn't talk about it real quick, but I would love to get it in. we got about three minutes left. Talk about cope for sure. us really quick before we let you go. Cope. Absolutely. This is the process that came about as I was writing. I didn't design it. It just kind of came out on its own. And when I was talking about how I got through what I did, and it came up to cope. C is for confront. I confronted my fears. I confronted the people that hurt me. I let them know they hurt me. And then I went to the people that I hurt and I asked for forgiveness. I was confronting. O is for optimize. 
once I realized that everything I had gone through, I was through it. And that was priceless knowledge. Those experiences are priceless knowledge that you can use to help someone else. So you have to optimize your experiences in life and use them to help others. T is to push through because now that you're on a roll and you've got some purpose in your life, you want to help people. Now Satan, for me, that's when Satan's coming back at me with the cravings, with whatever, the guilt, shame. So now you have to push through that guilt. You have to push through that shame. You have to push through any negativity, any negativity, even if it's from your family coming back at you because of their anger. You have to push through that part so that you can get to the E, which is embrace. Now you need to embrace that beautiful person that you are coming through. Like you said, the victor, not the victim. Learn to love that person. Find your gifts that God gave you and go out there and be your beautiful self and pull yourself up. Confront, optimize, push through, embrace. That might be one of the best acronyms I have ever heard in my entire life. Oh, my God. Life. Uh, thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, author, wow. speaker, champion, uh, survivor, mother of three beautiful children and a granddaughter. This woman is just, this is one of the best, this is one of the most impactful shows I've heard. You can reach out to her at MistyLane.com, M-I-S-T-I-E-L-A-Y-N-E.com. Please reach out to her. Go buy her book, uh, What Goes Up on Amazon. Misty, thank you for starting your movement and sharing it with us, and thank you for talking about it today. It was such an honor and a pleasure to have you on my show, Misty. Thank you, Shannon. If I have 10 seconds, I'd like to say one more thing. My kids are all successful because they made the right choices in life. They did not let what's happened to them get them down. My oldest daughter is with a disabled baby, so she doesn't do, you know, is where she needs to be. My other daughter, Amber, is getting her doctorate in nurse anesthetist right now. And my son, who is 18, often is at the brink. He's an Eagle Scout. He's, he's got all these things he's done, and he wants to be a lawyer, and he's starting a speaking career as well. So, I mean, my, my message to that is it doesn't matter what happens to us in the past. It's the past. Focus on the future and make, make your own changes. With that said, see you all next week. Thank you for joining us for The Movement. Your host, Shannon D. Hughes, invites you to tune in again for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.